all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Let's join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Takes over, taking over, taking over. Lift your Bible sign. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word shout it out. I am. Hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing if you will. Flip over into Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. While you're doing that, I want to read a praise report to you. It says, Shalom. It says, a little over a month ago, you preached a two-part series called Brutiful. Y'all remember that? It was on Wednesday. And by the Thursday night, uh, I was staring my betrayer right in the face. <clears throat> the revelation I received on Wednesday night, I could not ignore, and I was prepared for that test. I am so thankful that I am planted in my father's house because the person I was before would have snapped all the way off and been on one of those uh, episodes of snap. <laughs> y'all ain't saying nothing. Some of y'all almost made it. It was the Holy Ghost that kept you off the show. Y'all ain't saying nothing. That was only one part of the test. Even though I did the right thing, Adam was still trying to manifest in me. Adam means my old nature. Anger and vengeful thoughts began to stir inside of me. I was in denial about my true feelings until you confronted me with the truth. I had to ask myself, was I going to become what was perpetrated against me? I came to you again, and you reminded me to be angry, but do not sin. Knowledge is not power, but applied knowledge is power. If I had not applied what you taught me, I would have failed that test. I dealt with the pain and did not allow it to stop me and have made it through with a testimony. There was another a female involved, and her life was headed down a steep hill, and she was on a tricycle. My goodness. She watched as I fasted and, praised and, was, uh, and prayed and was faithful in my church attendance. She listened to the words that came from my mouth. She said that she never met a person like me and could not believe how I was handling the situation of betrayal. I told her that I was a child of God and vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Since then, she moved back to Fort Collins and her life is headed in a totally different direction. So much has changed in my life, not just my life, but the life of people, uh, everybody that surrounds me. My mother, who has lived in denial her whole life, even told me how the conviction over my life has changed her life. 
my supervisor work praises me on how excellent I am and how I've grown and matured so much, not just in my department, but as a person. The person that I used to be is not the person I am anymore. And I am so grateful that God thought enough of me to spare my life and lead me to harvest. Thank you for saying, yes, God is truly stretching me and you're the world's best personal trainer. Y'all ought to praise God for that. Anybody say things have changed since I got connected. Stuff in my life has gotten moved around since I got there. I wish you'd shout for just 15 seconds if one thing has changed in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all like my Malcolm X glasses? <laughs> I'm just joking. He said Malcolm X glasses. Hey Amen. I just can't see nothing over here. Good. Got Ephesians 5? You got Ephesians 5? Hallelujah. You ought to celebrate. The Bible says rejoice with them that are rejoicing. See, if you're trying to figure out, well, when is my stuff going to happen for me when you celebrate somebody else's? When am I going to get my car? When you shout about somebody else getting theirs. When am I going to get my breakthrough? When you shout about somebody else getting theirs. The true test of whether or not you've matured is can you celebrate with somebody else when they got what you wanted? Hallelujah. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Do you have it? If you don't, you can look on the screens. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly. We were here this weekend, not as fools, but as wise. Say, I'm not no fool. Now, I know that's not appropriate English, but it qualifies in the Harvest Dictionary. Verse 16, redeeming the time. Redeeming means I got to live now making up for the stuff I did yesterday. Which means I got to live my life where I'm redeeming. I'm buying back the time because the days are evil. Evil doesn't mean the devil. It doesn't mean, you know, somebody with a pitchfork. Evil means the days are contrary to me. Which means there are things that are in my day that are set up to make me go opposite what God wants. There are people that come in your day that are set up to be evil. They're set up to be contrary to the direction God wants you to go. And you got to learn how to recognize them. And say, wait a minute, I already knew you was coming. Why? Because I walk circumspectly, because I'm not a fool. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, you, you don't have to wonder what it is. Say, I know God's will. Now, if you don't, you can get, there's a whole series in the resource center that'll teach you what it is. Got it? Isaiah 38, one more place, one more place, Isaiah 38. Also, we want to celebrate. We had some folk get baptized tonight. We want to celebrate that to well, as well tonight. Oh, y'all can do better than that. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah chapter 38. You got it? We're going to read the whole chapter. So you're going to be standing for a little bit. Isaiah 38. You got it? This is about King Hezekiah. In those days, Hezekiah was sick, and he was near death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, get your house in order, because you're getting ready to die and not live. That, that's a pretty grim message to get. Imagine waking up on Monday morning and somebody calling you and saying, Get your house in order, because your life is getting ready to expire. Two. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He Hezekiah couldn't figure out how he had done his best to live for God, and now all of a sudden sickness has come in and he's getting ready to die. 
He's not able to figure that out because he's saying, I've been following the word of God, so I should be walking in the blessing. So how is sickness at my door? Touch your neighbor, say it's an enigma. That's, that's just a nice word to say. It's a mystery. Look at verse 5. Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. And this is the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of his eyes 10 degrees, degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial which it had gone down. He said, I want you to see how committed I am to you, Hezekiah. If you get things in order, I'm so committed to you that I'm going to make the sun go back 10 degrees. Now, there was only one other instance where God would change the days. It was with a man named Joshua. You remember where Joshua said to the sun, he said, sun stands still. It, it was something about the man's request that moved God so much that he would change the day which affected everybody. So you know you're favored by God when God says, I'll change what's going to affect everybody else just on your account. I'm going to say it again. I said, you know you're favored by God when God says, I'll change the whole system just for you. I, I'll make them change the rules just for you. I, uh, somebody shout, I'm favored by God. Now look at verse 9. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. Verse 10, I said, watch this, in the prime of my life, he's, he's having a moment right now because he's trying to figure out how things are good for me right now. And now it's time for me to die. I'm going to help your neighbor tonight. He says, in the prime of my life, I shall go down to the gates of Sheol. I am, I am deprived of the remainder of my years. Sheol just means death. 11, I said, I shall not see Yah, that's just God, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall absorb man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. Notice what he says. I have cut off my own life. So evidently, Hezekiah has enough sense to know that somewhere, somehow, something got out of order. Okay, all right, I see I'm going to have to plow. That's all right. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until, no, until night, you make an end of me. I have considered until morning like a lion. So he breaks all my bones. From day until night, you make an end of me like a crane or a swallow. So I chattered. I mourn like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he has himself done it. I shall walk, watch this, carefully all my years. And the bitterness of my soul. In, in essence, what he's saying is, I, I have not up to this point been careful about what's been going on in my house. Okay, I can see we're going to really have to plow. Okay, that's all right. He, he, he's, saying, he's saying, I've not been being careful with what I've been letting in my body, with what I've been go letting in my home, and what I've been letting go on in the house of God. He said, so I realize now I got, to, I got to be careful about that. So much so that it almost seems like a bitterness that I'm so detailed about what's going on in my house that it would seem to someone looking at me like I'm bitter about it. 
Okay, we're going to plow. That's all right. That's all right. Look, look at verse 16. Oh, Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. Okay, your neighbor can't read English, so I'm going to say it again. He said, indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. In essence, he said, God, when you first confronted me about being out of order, I got a little off track because I couldn't understand it, and I got a little outside of you, but it was for my own peace that I had to deal with that. That's all right. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you. And I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my song with string instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Look at verse 21. And Isaiah said, let him take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. Father, you hear me and you always hear me tonight as we dive into the depth of your word. I pray that you would make this word so clear that we would be able to go home and apply it like we had knew what to do the entire time. I, I pray that you would do what only you can do, which is customize one message for hundreds, thousands that are listening now by way of all of our campuses. And so tonight we bless you and we honor you, God, for speaking clearly to us. Surely what you have spoken to Hezekiah we can glean from. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our best days are not behind us. They are in front of us. Our greatest victories are not behind us. They are in front of us. And so we thank you for the opportunity to get our house in order. Because when our house is in order, you will extend our days. And it is so in Jesus' name. Would you have five, two or three people as you take your seats and say, not in my house, not in my house, not in my house. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hezekiah is a very interesting man because Hezekiah, he took the throne at age 25. And the Bible calls him a good king. Say good king. He was a God-fearing king. He, he was a king that had abolished idol worship. He was a king that had restored the children of Israel back to the word of God. They had gotten crazy. They were worshiping animals. They were sacrificing themselves to all kinds of strange things. They had really gotten off track. And here Hezekiah, as a young man, comes in and he reforms the entire nation. The Bible says he was a good king. Say good king. The Bible says he was a good man. Say good man. Uh, matter of fact, Hezekiah was the ideal king. If there was ever a king that one could look at and say, this is how the king of the people of God should be, Hezekiah was that man. Hezekiah, by all accounts of everybody from the outside looking in, had his house in order. But on a dreadful day, Isaiah walks up to him and says, what you thought was in order is not. Even with all of these great things, and, and I'm speaking tonight to those of you that say, I'm doing the best I know with what I've been taught. I'm doing this right. I'm doing this right. I'm doing this right. But yet this keeps going wrong. I'm here to tell you what Isaiah said to Hezekiah. Maybe it's because something in your house is out of order. Okay. All right. Say so he was a good king. Said he was a good man. 
with all of that, the Bible still says that something in his house was out of order. I need you to get that because sometimes, especially if you're serving God and you're faithful to him, sometimes you get an attitude like God owes you something because of what you're doing for him. And that's the worst kind of attitude you can have is, a, is an attitude of expectancy, like, like you're entitled to something because, well, I showed up this morning, so what? I showed up tonight, I didn't even have to. Okay. You can go. The worst thing you can do as a believer is act like you're entitled to something from God. You know entitled people. Entitled people, they get bad attitudes because they feel like they're deserving. You, you, you know entitled people. They, they don't follow the rules because they feel like the rules are written for everybody but them. You, you, you know entitled people. They, 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 they deliberately, on your job, circumvent you when they know you're the one they're supposed to come to. They deliberately circumvent you. They, 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 they're entitled people. Now, the Bible doesn't say Hezekiah was entitled, so I don't want to make an indictment against him that's inappropriate. But I do want to say this. Despite all of what the Bible says was right with him, something in his house caused his life to be shortened 15 years. Now, 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 watch this. Isaiah, the man of God, comes to him and says, listen, thus saith the Lord. Now, imagine this. Imagine, you know, imagine you, you, you get a call, a church call ID pops up on your phone. You know, you're thinking, oh, my God, what did, oh, gee, what did I do? Oh, Lord, what happened? And when you pick up the phone, it's, it's, it's Bishop on the phone. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Bishop. Bless the Lord. I was just praying. I was just thanking God. I was just seeking the Lord. It's amazing you call. Hey, I got a word from the Lord from you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, get your house together because you're fitting to die. All right? Okay, have a good day. <laughs> Imagine, because that's what it was. When Isaiah said, set your house in order or get your house in order, it had dual meaning. Say dual meaning. Uh, there was a parallelism going on. The first was prepare the leadership of the kingdom because you're getting ready to transition. Prepare the leadership of the kingdom. You're getting ready to transition. He was telling Hezekiah, get somebody else ready because you finna go. The second realization, though, was somehow, listen very carefully to me, sickness entered because his house wasn't in the order he thought it was. And it was shortening his life. There are things that you may not even pay attention to in your life that are shortening your life. And anything that is contrary to the order of God is disorder. It's, come on, out of order. Y'all got this? Now, here he is, a good man. What kind of king was he? A good king. He was a righteous king. He, he, he did everything that a king of the children of Israel was supposed to do. But somehow sickness came in and it came in to kill him. And it came and he's saying, God, I've been serving you. I've, I've loved you. I've, I've done all of these things for you. And God's response to him is, yes, you did. So I'm going to give you the span of your life. 
But what took you so long to repent and get an order? Okay, all right, okay. We're going to dig tonight. That's all right. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going to dig. We're going to dig. Uh, I said this on this weekend that uh, MTV Cribs, they, they used to have a show that, that was called Cribs. Say Cribs. That it was all about them going into people's homes, and they would look at these beautiful homes with these beautiful uh, exteriors, and they would have 15 bedrooms and 17 bathrooms that they didn't even know they had, and they would go into the refrigerator and be surprised at all of the food that they had in there because they didn't know that their maid had restocked the refrigerator and all of that was there, and they had all of these automobiles that they didn't even drive. You you knew that they did not drive them because the tires still had the prickly things on the outside of them, and. They had these beautiful exteriors, but in the tabloids, a couple of months later, after this couple came on this wonderful Cribs episode, a few months later, you learned that even though they had this beautiful exterior house, that there was hell going on inside of the home, so much hell that it caused them to split. Well, I says, that is not the kind of life God has ordained for you as a believer to where you got a lot of glitter, but it ain't no gold. I'm going to say it to you again. That is not the kind of life that God has ordained for you, that it looks good to everybody else. But when you go home, there's all kind of hell and all kind of chaos and all kind of turmoil. That is not the kingdom life. That is not the life God has ordained for you to live. So, 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 so God says, I'm not just concerned with the exterior. I'm concerned with the what? Interior. Now, now hear me very well. God cannot bless, anoint, or favor Disorder, chaos, mess, bad attitudes. He cannot bless, anoint, or favor that because it violates the terms of our covenant with him. Okay, let me talk to the parents. If you if you are a parent and uh, and and your child uh, is out of order, chaotic, messy, when they come ask you to get them a car. You're you going to move a little slow on that request. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You, you know, if, if, if you're dating somebody and they've been acting crazy with you, and they come talking about it, well, you, you need to go pray about that. Seek the Lord. I ain't got nothing for you, partner. I ain't got nothing for you. Are y'all still with me? I, I want to dig, so I want to go slow. I don't want to go so fast that you miss it. So, so God cannot bless that. It, it, it's not just an issue that he will not. He cannot because it violates the terms of our covenant. Now, because here's the question that comes up in your mind. Well, Bishop, you're saying I got to be perfect. Absolutely not. But you do have to be repentant and faithful. And what most believers miss it is the repentant part. Repentance is not apologizing. Repentance is stopping what I'm doing and going another direction. I'm going to say it again. Uh, but, and we don't talk a lot about it, but we got to we get it tonight because I don't want you to have to get one of those Isaiah messages where God says, you're supposed to be this, but you can't because there's disorder. You're supposed to go here, but you can't because there's disorder. He, 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 he says you got to be repentant and you got to be faithful. Now, repentance, the, the Hebrew word there is teshuva, which means to change directions. Got it? Now, uh, there's a saying by a very deep philosopher uh, by the name of Medea, and she said, she, she said, or he or whatever, said, uh, <laughs> if when you tell somebody that what they're doing to you hurts you, they don't change it, 
because they don't love you. That's deep. Uh, Dr. Maya Angelou said, uh, when people show you who they are, believe them. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Bishop, what are you trying to say? When we talk about repentance with God, God is not expecting you to be perfect, to get everything right, to think everything just right, to do everything just right. That was the whole reason he sent Jesus. The, the whole reason he sent Jesus because he knew you couldn't do that on your own. Because he knew there was going to be this war going on inside of you called the war of the flesh. And you'd be like Paul sometimes saying, the right I want to do, I don't find myself doing that. But the very things I don't want to do and hate, I find myself doing those things. Paul said, a wretched man that I am. So God knew you were going to have days like that. So he said, let me pay the price. But now, while his love is unconditional, the blessing is conditional. Okay. It's not an issue of, well, Bishop, does he love me? Does he love me not? No, he loves you. He loves you a lot. <laughs> got, got, got it? He, he loves you. But now, the blessing, favor, all that is conditional. Could you imagine the old you? Getting blessed. Okay, I see. I'm going to have to just. Could you imagine the old you getting what you've been praying for all your life? What you would have done to it? Okay, y'all don't want to be real. That's okay. Could you imagine the you that used to carry a razor in your purse? Somebody still got it. Could you imagine the old you getting what you have been praying for? Could, could you imagine that? Could, could you imagine God giving a two-year-old access to nuclear weapons? It's the equivalent. It's the equivalent. Now, Bishop, Bishop, why do you bring that up? I, I bring that up because, because understand this, understand this. Uh, when we talk about repentance, it is not enough to just say, God, I'm sorry. Okay, great. So what are we going to do about that sorrow? See, the scripture goes so far to say this. Godly sorrow causes repentance, which means they can't be the same thing. Got it? So, which means I say, God, I, I, I am in sorrow for what I've done. And my plan to fix that is this. Okay. I, I, I need us to get that because... Because I, I don't know about you, but how many sometimes, you don't have to raise your hand, I'm talking about your neighbor, uh, but how many of you sometimes, you, you, when you're praying, you keep repenting for the same thing, and at some point you feel like, Lord, I know you're probably tired of hearing me say that. The reason you feel that way is because when you repent, you never give a plan of action on how you're going to not do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, again, God's not asking me to be perfect. Say that. God's not asking no, but he is asking you to be repentant and faithful. I got to change directions, and then I have to be faithful to walking in that direction, which means I may stumble sometimes while I'm walking that direction, but I'm faithful to get right back up and keep moving in that right direction. I may have some thoughts I shouldn't have sometimes, but I'm going to get right back up off of those thoughts. I'm going to cast those vain imaginations down and get right back up and be faithful to walk in the world. Touch somebody and say, be faithful. Now, but watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, repentance, so let me, let me just teach you how to, how, how to do this real quick. When you're praying, the first thing you do is you need to repent for sin committed knowingly 
and unknowingly. Got it? Because here's what folks used to say. Well, you need to just ask the Lord. Every sin you committed, you need to write it down and just ask the Lord. That's crazy. You don't even know. Some stuff you did, you didn't even know was wrong. And it doesn't change the rules because you didn't know. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so, so the first thing I do is, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent for all sin done knowingly and unknowingly. And I pray that you would reveal to me where. I just wish I had four or five of y'all. I pray that you would, because I don't want to keep apologizing for the same thing. I want to be better. I, I, I want to talk of this thing. So, so I ask that you reveal to me where I've erred. So, show me where I missed it. Show me how I opened that door. And show me what to do. Grace me, Father. <laughs> I wish I had somebody. Give me some grace to deal with this situation. Because, Lord, maybe, maybe you got a, an issue with folk and you get angry real fast. You need to say, God, help me to deal with that. Give me some steps. I'll count the 10. I'll count the 45. Give me something so that I can conquer this. Because I can't be apologizing for the same thing 50 years in a row. I can't be apologizing for the same thing five years in a row. At some point, i got to make a decision to grow up. I wish some people in the house tonight that say, Lord, I want to grow up. I wish you'd just take a 10-second praise break right here. If you say, God, I'm sick of apologizing for the same thing. I'm ready to grow up. I'm ready to mature. Watch this, watch this, watch this. L look at this, look at this. There are three houses. I'm about to, there are three houses. So, so remember when I, when I prayed, Lord, 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 sin's done knowingly and unknowingly, and reveal to me how to stop doing that. Isn't that something? You didn't know you could ask him that? You didn't know you could say, because it's not like, like it's you and him, like he's over there, and he's on the other team, and you over here. He, let me see. He's not the Sprint customer service department, and you're the customer with the phone bill that's wrong. That's not how it works. No, he's on your side. Now, I need you to get that. He's on your side. So wouldn't it be incumbent and prudent upon you to ask him how to stop doing that? Because there's some stuff that God says, you're, you're going to try all day long. Ten steps of this, five steps of this, seven steps of this, six steps of this, four steps of this. I got a little anger ball. That you got all these little things. And it won't work because God says, I need you to learn how to depend on me. See, in the old church, they used to say, we've come this far, buff. And you know how they got that far? Leaning on. That's what they said. They said, well, we didn't come up with. Matter of fact, they, all, all the remedies and stuff they used to have back in the day, it was all based on God. Because they couldn't go to the doctor, so they just said, the Lord going to have to do this. I'm going to get in that word, and the word going to show me something about how to fix something. Because if God don't do it, it's not going to get done. Where are the people that are still leaning on the Lord and not trying to come up with your own devices and your own schemes? But I'm leaning on God. Show me how to deal with me. So there, there are three houses, three houses, and I'm about through three houses. Three houses. The first house. Because remember, we're talking tonight, not in my house. Well, you got to know what houses you possess. First house you have is the place you dwell, your little home, where you're going tonight after church and you pick up your taco KFC hut. <laughs> That's the place you dwell. Here's the question you got to ask yourself because, because you, you got you, you, you to guard your house. You, 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 you cannot... 
You cannot start fixing the outside of your house. And on the inside, it's broke down. You, 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 ever seen, you, you ever seen somebody do that? Where the rims of the car cost more than the car? Now, if that's your thing, okay, you know, do what you want to do. I'm just trying to figure out why you'd invest more in the external. And every other couple of weeks, you got to have it down at Meineke. I'm just trying to figure out. That just doesn't make very much sense to me. Are you still with me? First house is what? First house is the place you dwell. So here's the question you got to ask because remember Hezekiah's situation. He was serving the Lord. He was doing the best he knew. But somehow something came in to steal 15 years off of his life. It was coming to steal 15 years off of his life. That's the only reason God responded to his prayer because I don't want you to get the impression that tears move God because they don't. It wasn't Hezekiah's tears that moved God. It was Hezekiah's track record that moved God. God said, you've been faithful. You didn't get it all right, but you've been faithful. So I honor what you got to say. So, so, so here's the first question I got to ask. With, with my little house, the place I dwell, I got to ask, is there anything cursed I've allowed in my home? Is there anything cursed I've allowed in my home? Now, most of the time you don't think very much about this. I have a whole ritual. No, I really do. Even if, if, if even when you come into the administrative offices of the church, you just don't walk up in there. Hey, no, you got to hold. You got to anoint yourself. We got to cast the devil out and all that. And you can just be coming to say good morning. <laughs> good morning to you. At least I know you ain't brought nothing up in here with you. Who do you let in your house that you really don't care for, but you let them in there anyhow out of some gesture of I don't know what, but they bring stuff in your house? Who, who do you let in your house and they move your furniture and let you move it back when you leave? Not literally, Denver. So I'm like, well, Bishop, I've never done that. I never done that. <laughs> do you have a 7-Eleven where everybody's in your house all the time? People coming, people going. Some folk in your house, you don't even know who's there. See, back in the South, they, you know, they used to have Big Mama's house. Big Mama's house, that kind of, some of y'all remember that. Big Mama, everybody was coming and going all times at night. Big Mama had that uh, that uh, air conditioner that was in the window that you turned on and all that. And it was summertime, they had the, you screened. Okay, y'all remember that. And the, and the little light bugs. Y'all remember, okay, all right, y'all remember that. All right, fine. What have you allowed in your house? Let, let me give you some examples of stuff you may not even pay attention to. Uh, do you read the occult? Uh, uh, excuse me, the horoscope that people send you? When somebody sends that to you and, and says, ooh, look, this is, this, is your, this, is, this is what's going on. This explains everything going on today. Did you not know that that is paganism, it is witchcraft, and it is the occult? Read the horoscope. Did you know that? Every time you read that, you open the door for an Isaiah to show up and say, you got 15 less years. Every time. Did you know that? What spiritual folk are you listening to that are really preaching doctrines of demons? But it's good motivational stuff. It's encouraging. But it's not based off the word. Okay, it's quiet, but, but it's the truth. Dude, I, I, I did, we did a teaching about this before, but so I'll give you the scriptures. Deuteronomy 28. Read the whole chapter. It'll help you out. What, what, what have you allowed in your house? What do you allow on your television? I'm just saying. 
If you got an anger problem, you should stay away from action movies. I'm just telling you. It's not that they're demonic, it's just you need to stay away from that. If you got a promiscuity problem, you need to leave Love Jones and all that, so you need to leave that alone. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. Say man if I come off the stage. I'm just saying. If you're single, what you listen to Marvin Gaye for? He ain't singing no songs that's got nothing to do with you. There's not one song he's got except that what's going on. And even that's got a little lemon on. He can leave it alone. What are you allowing in your house when you're wondering why Isaiah shows up and says you got 15 less years? What are you allowing? Who are you allowing in there? What are they bringing with them? That's why, that's why you, you got to learn how to enjoy you. you. You can't always have somebody over and at your house and all that. You got to learn how to enjoy you because when folk come, they bring their stuff with them. Their issues, their proclivities, their nuances, their spiritual baggage. When people show up at your house, they're knocking on the door and they got all this baggage. You can't see it, but they got it all. And you know what they're coming to do? They're coming to unload it on you. And sometimes you're going to say, no, mm mm. We just go, mm mm. No, I, I meet somewhere. Why can't you just talk over the phone? Matter of fact, text me. <laughs> I'm serious, because how much stress do you, because some of this is very practical, how much stress do you invite on yourself? Because you're trying to be other folks Jesus. You're trying to solve everybody else's problem. You got a 24-hour counseling line, ain't got a license to first. And ain't getting paid. If you're going to do it, at least get something. (laughs) Are y'all still here? What, 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 what are you allowing in your house? Uh, what's this? Second thing, connected to the place you dwell. Am I aware of the gifts or items people have given me? Did you know that when people give you things, there's attachments to those things? Did you know that? So you talking about? Well, I, I just want. I just want to. I want to keep. I want to keep. You know, family member so and so, such and such. Okay, but do you know about keeping that object, you keep the spirit of the object? you know that? I don't want you to get all deep and spooky and be like, you know what, this pencil. My ex gave me this pencil. Jesus, I got to sharpen the pencil, Jesus. I'm just saying, let me tell you how you deal with this. Anytime anybody gives me anything, it is immediately prayed for and blessed. So that whatever was on it is gone. So by the time I get to using it, it's cool. Because when gifts and things are given, there's a spirit attached to it. There's a motive behind it. And that motive is called a mindset. That mindset is called a spirit. Are you still with me? All right, okay, okay. I can see ain't no runners tonight. Three weeks in a row killing you. Second thing, second house you've got is your body. Scripture says, flip over there real quick, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Your body is the temple of the Lord. I just want to teach tonight, is that all right? Your body is the temple of the Lord. First house is where you live, second house is your body. Now, now we're going to have some, we're going to get this one real good. Glory to Jesus. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, you got it? This is Apostle Paul writing to the crazy Corinthians. 
They got all kind of stuff going on in the Corinthian church. Corinthian church, they, they, they had, rather than a thousand ushers and greeters and deacons and all that, they had a thousand temple prostitutes. So it, it was a whole other kind of church experience when they went to church. And they brought that from the pagan ritual. They brought it to the church. Got it? Now, look at verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Isn't that something? That's not your body. It's not. Mm -mm, that's God's. How do I know it's God's? Look at verse 20. He tells you, you were bought at a price. What was the price? It was him getting up on Calvary's mountain. It was them plucking out his beard. It was them placing the crown of thorns on his head. It was them beating him so he was unrecognizable as a man. Unless you pay that price, you are not your own. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For you were born at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. As he said, your body is on loan to you. So, so now, now we're going to have some fun. You ready? So, so if I'm saying not in my house, i got to ask the question, number one, what's going in my body that doesn't glorify God? Now, immediately you'll think of alcohol, you'll think of drugs, you'll think of those things. But what about excessive calories? Because that's sure enough, going, you're going to get a message from Isaiah saying you got 15 less years. Y'all not saying nothing. What's going in our bodies that does not glorify God? And we're all guilty. Don't be sitting up here feeling guilty and all that. No. no. We now sat at the Thanksgiving table said, if I have one more piece of turkey, I know it's getting ready to happen. I'm going to be immobilized for the next four hours. But you know what we do? We only live once. Maybe that's what you think. I'm living so I can live again. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Death is never the end for a believer. It is the beginning of a new dimension. I'm going to say that again. Death is never the ending for a believer. It's the beginning of a new dimension. You can't kill us. We're like babies, kids. We don't die. Second thing, what am I doing to my body that doesn't glorify God? Quiet in the church. What am I doing to it that doesn't glorify God? Am I not getting it? See, y'all thinking of real deep stuff. I'm thinking about real simple things. Not getting enough sleep. You cannot go to sleep at 1 and wake up at 3. Talking about, Lord, give me the strength. No, you need to go to sleep. That's what you need to do. You ain't doing that no how. Flipping through channels. <laughs> Watching infomercials for stuff you know you ain't finna buy. But you sit there and go through the whole process of being entertained. Wow. Is that right? What am I doing to my body that doesn't glorify God? What am I doing? And these are questions you got to ask. And when you say, Lord, reveal to me, he's going to tell you. Because there are certain things that may not be explicitly written out in the word. Do not do this. 
But the scripture says he's written his law, he's written his word on your heart now, which means God says there are things for you now that are not right for you where you're at in your walk. So that's why I don't get up and preach where you shouldn't go see rated R movies. If that's where you're at in your walk, the Holy Ghost will convict you where you're at in your walk. But I walk with him long enough to know I can see a little Jason and still be all right. No, I just need to say it because some people go real extreme on them. Oh, them rated R movies is the devil. No, the way you talk to your wife is the devil. The way you treat your kids is the devil. So where you're at in your walk, that's why you say God reveal it to me because he'll reveal to you what's not right for you where you're walking. Now there's certain things that are non-negotiables that the word gives, but there's certain little nuances that the word doesn't specifically speak to. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit to say, get out of there. Don't do that. Stop that. Sit down. Why are you still talking? That's what the Holy Ghost will do to you. If you've not had one of those conversations with God yet, then you still got some growing up to do. But when you have one of those conversations where God just checks you, shut up. You know you mature because he can give it to you wrong. Anybody ever had a wrong conversation with God where he just gave it to you just straight up? No these and thou's and spiritual language. He just shut up. And don't say nothing else about it. This meeting is over. Now get to church. Third thing for my body. Am I helping anybody? What are my senses exposed to that doesn't glorify God? What are my senses exposed to? What am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I tasting? What am I touching? Got it? But what are my senses exposed to that doesn't glorify God? And then the question becomes, then why am I doing it? Why am I doing it? Be careful when you say, I just got to do something for me. Because normally that involves something you ain't supposed to do. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of shots tonight. That's all right. Third thing, third thing. Good, now I can preach this third thing. Third thing, third house you deal with is the house of the Lord. It's the church. Now let me be clear about what the church is. It is not just this building. It is wherever you're at. You are the church. Look at your name and say, you are the church. Here's why it's important to understand this. Because sometimes you'll do stuff and say, well, I didn't do it in church. No, you are the church. So it's just the same as if you did it right here in the church. Now, I need you to understand that. Because that's so important. Because sometimes we'll justify stuff to ourselves. Don't do that in church. Don't do it out there. Okay, I thought the Wednesday night crowd was going to be able to get with me. All right, okay. Here's the questions we got to say uh, in, 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 the house of the God, in the house of God. Uh, number one, we got to make sure you're not a murderer in the pew. You know what a murderer in the pew is. They're a gossiper. They're a complainer. They're a backbiter. We can't have murderers in the pews or, in our case, chairs. Got it? So, so when somebody comes to you with some juicy gossip, you know what you got to say to them? No, I'm fine. Thank you. I heard. No, you, you don't know, so be quiet. You don't know. 
Sometimes you got to tell folks, see, folk come to people, I heard this. I tell them, well, you don't know nothing, so you just need to stop talking to me until you know something. No, talk to somebody like that one good time, you'll never have a problem out of them again. Some of the reasons some of y'all keep dealing with some of the same problems you have with people because you ain't had one of them good down-home come-to-Jesus conversations. You just, I don't want to hear that. And walk off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's not how we do it in my house. In this house. In his house. In your house. Second thing we can't have in the house of the Lord is mafia Christians. You know how the mafia does. Uh, So that they feel like they don't owe you and don't have to repay you for what you've done. They try to wipe you out. No, can't have mafia saints. Because them is ain'ts. I'm going real slow. I know this is so slow that you're going to get it. And you're going to remember. You're going to be able to preach this tomorrow at work. You're going to be able to just tell her tomorrow. Are you a mafia worker? Mafia, mafia saints try to wipe you out. Because they fear that all of what you did to help them, they're going to go tell somebody. And they don't understand that the power that makes them available for God to use is not everything they get right, but it's where they've messed up. You read your Bible, there's not one person in the scripture that God ever used that had it all together. God always used broken, messed up, jacked up folks that were committed to being repentant and committed to being faithful. Third thing, third thing we can't have is you can't allow folk to speak against your pastor. Can't allow folks speak against your pastor. All right. This is why it's important. Because, watch this. Watch this. And I have time to reteach this tonight. You can study this in 1 Kings chapter 19, 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, Numbers chapter 17, Numbers chapter 12. In fact, just read the whole Bible and you study this. (laughs) Romans chapter 13. Whatever you allow people to do to your leader, God will allow them to do to you. See, we've lost loyalty in American culture. It's amazing to me. I just need to comment and and just make a little bit of a commentary on the political landscape of our country because it's amazing to me how disloyal Americans are to people they call their friends. We'll say to a nation, you're our friend, you're our ally. Oh, they don't like you no more, you got to go. Wow. That's how we do friendship now? That's how we do loyalty? The body of Christ cannot be comprised of disloyal people that are trying to climb their way up the ecclesiastical ladder of ministry success. That is not the kingdom that is not happening in this house. Whatever you allow people to say about me, if I'm your pastor, God will let them do to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, you don't get no fights. <laughs> but, but you have to understand that, that there was such a loyalty. And every time the children of God were disloyal to their leader, read those chapters I gave you, God would instantly judge them for being disloyal to Moses. 
Some of the leaders sat up and had a meeting and said, well, we don't think Moses, we think Moses takes too much upon him. So why Moses got all them people standing around him? Why he got, oh, why he got people standing around him, helping him? Who is he? He puts on his pants and says, you better shut your mouth before you invoke the judgment of the Lord against you. Because what you don't know is he always sides with the leader. Read your Bible, all them chapters I gave you. But Bishop, what are you saying? Because watch this, watch this. I wonder how many saints, do you know, watch this, matter of fact, matter of fact, matter of fact. I got the mic. I'm out of time, but I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Go to number 17. For those of you that have, uh, I'll just go to number 17. Amen. I want you to see this. I'm going to help your neighbor. Y'all all right? Actually, go to start in 16. Uh, start in 16, number 16. We're going to look at this real quick. Because, because a lot of saints don't understand that the way they think they're giving their opinion and their commentary, they're inviting an Isaiah to come say, you just lost 15 years. They don't understand the severity. The scripture says, never open your mouth against the king. Never open your mouth against your lips. The Bible says the only thing you should, see, the, the reason you're still going through some stuff on your job is because you've been talking about your boss. And God said what you're supposed to do is hush and pray. You are not qualified to speak on what they should be doing, how they should be doing it. If God thought you could handle it, you'd be the boss. You're not the boss because he didn't think you could handle it. Point blank, bottom line. Black and white. Or black and yellow. Okay, watch this. Number 16. That's what we Christians. Number 16. <laughs> Verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Israel, the son of Korah, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, one of the sons of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250, what? Leaders. Representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves for everyone in the congregation is holy. The Lord is among them. Why do you exalt yourselves among the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on its face because he knew God was going to get him. Verse 5, and he spoke to Korah, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord is going to show you who is his, and he's going to show you who is holy, and will cause him to come near him. The one who he chooses, he will cause to come near him. Do this. Take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and you shall know that the man who the Lord chooses is the holy one. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. So now, now Moses said, this is the first time Moses finally got a backbone and said, I'm not going to ask God to heal you this time. I'm going to ask him to show you, because he'll show you better than I can tell you. Y'all ain't said nothing. That's all right. That's all right. <clears throat> Verse 8. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. It is a small thing that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them. Remember, these were leaders. And he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. And are you seeking the priesthood also? He said, You want to do what I do too? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? Isn't this crazy? And Moses <coughs> sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, we will not come up. It's a small thing that you have brought us out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting like a prince over us. In essence, they were saying, yes, Moses, you brought us out of slavery, and, and our lives are totally blessed now because of you, and good things are happening because of you, but that's no big deal. You know Christians like that. That's no big deal. I could have did that. 
Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance to the fields of the vineyards. Will you put the eyes, will you put up the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company to be present for the Lord, you and they, as well as Aaron. So let's get on down to the good stuff. Go to verse 19. So, so I, look at me. I want, you to get, I want you to get a picture of this because I need you to understand what it costs these men because uh, you're going to see it. Got it? They come up against Moses. They've been running their mouth the whole time. I don't like this. I don't agree with this. I don't like this. They finally get enough gumption to finally come and say it. It's amazing what people say behind closed doors. They get enough intentional fortitude to come up to Moses and then they speak to Moses. Moses says, I'm not having it this time. Every other time I back down and let y'all do it. I'm not having it this time. So y'all want to talk about me? Y'all want to complain? Y'all want to criticize? Y'all want to fault fine? Fine. T today, God's going to show you who's his. Since you think that there's no difference between me and you, let's find out. If you think that, that there's, God doesn't distinguish between me and you, we'll find out. See, that's the problem people have when it comes to honor in the body of Christ because they see themselves being equal to everybody, even their teachers. And the scripture says, if you're a student, don't consider yourself to Okay, y'all ain't saying that, but all right, that's fine. Look at verse 20, or look at verse 19. And called all the congregation against the door of the tabernacle meeting, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the congregation. Now, the glory of the Lord, for it to appear, meant God came in person. He didn't send an angel. Now, I need you to see this, y'all. He didn't send Gabriel. He didn't send Michael. He, he didn't send some worker. He came himself. Y'all not saying that. Imagine if the CEO of your corporate, he didn't send no vice president. He didn't send no secretary. He came himself. Look at this. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from amongst this congregation that I might consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces and said, oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh. So one man said, and you be angry with all the congregation? In essence, God said, yes. He doesn't even answer them. 24, speak to the congregation and say, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation and said, depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch not their tents. The people move. Go down to verse 28. And Moses said, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men or visit by the common fate of all men, the Lord hasn't sent me. But if the Lord does a new thing. And opens up the earth and its mouth and swallows them up and everything that belongs to them, then they will go down alive in the pit. Then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now, now look at me because I want you to see this. You're saying, Bishop, what does this scripture have to do with what you're talking about, uh, about, about the house of the Lord and what we allow in the house of the Lord as believers? These men didn't know when they went to Moses on Thursday that Friday was their last day. So much so. That it was, watch, watch this, what did they allow in their house? These men with their complaints came in their houses. They told their wives. They told their kids. They brought that foolishness in the house. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? They brought it in their house. And because they brought it in their house, look at what has happened. Verse 31. Now it came to pass after he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. Listen to this. With all their households. The kids didn't do nothing to deserve that. But the gatekeeper let the curse 
is in the house. Oh, I wish I had somebody that could hear me tonight. What are you allowing in your house? Grandmama didn't do nothing. But everybody in their household had to pay. And all the men with car and all their goods. Frog didn't do nothing. The goat didn't do nothing. Look at verse 33. So they, they and all those went, uh, went them, went them down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Ain't that deep? This is what you're trying to say. Let me connect the dots. It is so important that tonight with a very simple teaching like this, that we evaluate what we're letting in our homes. These men that we just read about in Numbers, it cost their families everything. They thought they had it together. They were serving in the church. They were serving. They were, they were loving people. They, they were loving God, loving people, loving life. But when they allowed themselves to get involved in something that God says, it shortened their lives. But my question to you is, are you going to have an Isaiah message? Are you going to have a message where God says, you were supposed to do this, but all this disorder and chaos, I can't do it. Won't change his love for you. No, he loves you. But it will change his ability to favor you, bless you, anoint you, increase you. Hezekiah woke up on Monday ready to rule and got a message. Something you've let in the house is stealing your life. Bishop, how do I fix it? I gave you answers. I repent from what I knew I did and what I didn't even know I was doing. And I say, God, give me grace. Show me how to correct this, how to fix this. Because, God, if I knew, I would have fixed it back then. Help me, Jesus. And then, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to making that change. I may mess up sometimes, but I'm going to be faithful to making that change. Do you receive that word tonight? Everybody stand on your feet tonight. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday experiences are what people love the most about travel that's why they love viator they have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone plus their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app one app over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember do more with Viator.